song People say a man is made out of mud A poor man's made out of muscle and blood Muscle and blood and skin and bones A mind that's weak and a back that's strong You load 16 tons What do you get? Another day older and deeper in depth St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go I owe my soul to the company store I'd like to take a minute to talk about one of our sponsors Parker Sporlin and Thermostatic Expansion Valves How can you guys always have the right thermostatic expansion valve for the right application without having to carry hundreds of valves in your truck? Well, that's simple. Using Sporlin's interchangeable cartridge-style valves, the Q valve for conventional and the BQ valve for balance port. It's as easy as one, two, three. It serves thousands of unique applications. So one, you just select a thermostatic element for your application. Two, you select the body style you need. Three, you select the right size cartridge for the application. These easy to select and assemble valves mean you always have the right valve for the job on your truck. For more information on the Q and BQ valves, visit Sporland.com. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by the new Reefer Shield Differential Pressure Monitor from Westermeyer Industries. When the filter element of your coalescing oil separator is contaminated, it can hurt your system's performance and efficiency. But how do you know when it's time to replace the filter? Wait too long to service the filter, and you could end up with nasty filter blowout. But replacing too often can be a waste of time and money. The answer is installing a differential pressure monitor. The new Reefer Shield RDP-01 Differential Pressure Monitor is available now with Westermeyer Industries. To find out more, email sales at westermeyerind.com. Once again, that's sales at westermeyerind.com. Look for the new pressure differential monitor available now. Moses went to the mountain and God spoke unto him. Moses, this is the Lord thy God commanding you to obey my law. Do you hear me? Yes, I hear you, I hear you. A deaf man could hear you. What? Nothing, I finished, forget it. Oh, Lord, why have you chosen me? What would you have me do for you? I shall give you my laws, and you shall take them unto the people. Yes, Lord! Lord, I shall give these laws unto thy people. Hear me. Oh, hear me. All pay heed. The Lord, the Lord Jehovah, has given unto you these 15. Ten, ten commandments for all to obey. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Advanced Refrigeration Podcast. You're here with your host, Brett Wetzel, Kevin Compass, and Charlie Cunliffe from Microthermal. How are we doing today, man? Doing well, doing well, sir. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, tonight, we are going to be speaking about um, communication issues with Microthermal, 
and uh, maybe we'll be touching on some some other things that that he wants to bring up. Um, tell me about a little bit about yourself, Charlie. How long you been in the business? How long you uh, been with Mark? Okay. Sure. I've uh, been in the business uh, for 40 years, uh, the last uh, 31 years with uh, Sporlin. And um, I was originally a mechanical engineer, you know, selling valves uh, and mechanical controls. But uh, I guess it's about 14 years ago, um, we acquired Microthermo and I took the uh, lateral transfer over to the Microthermo division. Mm -hmm. And I've been working uh, with them now and, um, you know, applying uh, Microthermo Alliance and Microthermo FMD uh, to the field for uh, the last uh, 12 to 14 years. Predominantly, most of my work uh, has been uh, with C uh, CO2 installations. Um, as soon as that became more prevalent in the United States, um, there was a great increase of, uh, of microthermal application. Microthermal has been around for over 27 years, um, but before they were acquired by Parker uh, Sporlin, uh, they were predominantly, um, uh, I would say, a Canadian firm, but for the last uh, 10, 14, 15 years, um, we've expanded uh, across the uh, the greater United States. Okay. And so, so I mean, what do you um, what are you doing currently um, at at Sporland Parker? Okay. Well, um, I focus completely on microthermo, mm -hmm. uh, and in my position, I'm an application and specification engineer. Uh, so I'm involved uh, from the first time someone calls and said, hey, we heard about Microthermo. Can you come down and uh, give us a presentation? So I'll, I'll give the, I'll, I'll call it a 30,000 foot view. And mm -hmm. then generally, if they want to get a little bit deeper, I come back and do a, a more technical presentation. And then usually I stay with the client uh, from that initial 30,000 foot view all the way uh, through the first uh, one, two, three, four stories. Um, that they use uh, microthermo on and then fully pass it over to our, our integration engineers. Uh, but the one good thing uh, about my experience and, and the way Parker has our division set up, uh, if I'm working with you guys, Brett uh, and um, Kevin, I can uh, help you if you have a question on a Parker Flocon, an A8 or an A9 or a Sporlin uh, EPR valve or microthermo, uh, I can handle those questions for you because I'm experienced in both the mechanical and the uh, computer control side of the systems. Okay. And and what, what did you say you did before before working for um, for Parker Sporlin? Before Parker Sporlin, I was actually in the supply business. Oh, wow. Okay. HV, HVAC supply business. And then from that to Sporlin. And then, like I said, 12, 14 years ago when we, uh, when we purchased uh, Microthermo, took that transfer over to... Uh, to microthermo awesome well man i appreciate you coming on um you want to get started in with the powerpoint yeah sure that's great man all right let's bring it up okay we all good yes sir go right ahead Okay. All right. So I just wanted to do a few brief slides. I didn't want to make this death by PowerPoint, uh, but I wanted to talk about Alliance, um, a little bit about the protocol and the network, uh, only because Alliance is different probably uh, than a lot of the networks that you're currently working on, being that we're a distributed network. Uh, so let me just go over some of the basics of LAN. Now, um, there are other people who do use the term LAN or Echelon. Uh, 
um, and it, it's a proprietary. Uh, the echelon that we use is uh, the real deal. It's the international echelon. We have to pay royalties uh, for every chip that we use. Um, the whole idea with that is um, it enables manufacturers, um, no matter where they are from all over the world, uh, we have to guarantee that if you get a VFD, if you get a rooftop, um, whatever the device is that you want to control and it's echelon enabled or it has an echelon chip, we have to be able to integrate that directly in through microthermo. So a Baccarat leak detector, uh, you just get the echelon enabled version with the chip in it and boom, you commission it and integrate it right through the front end of, of microthermo. So the whole idea is that it's an open technology available uh, to all manufacturers and it's a worldwide standard. Uh, so it's plug and play. And what we mean by that is um, if you want to integrate, let's say Danfoss. Danfoss happens to be a competitor of ours, but if you if you or your customer uh, prefers Danfoss drives, uh, we're really agnostic. Um, we will integrate a Danfoss drive into our system. It's just it has to be uh, Echelon enabled with an Echelon chip, and that way, uh, as I said, we can program it or integrate it directly through our front end. No motherboards, no daughter boards, no licensing fees etc. Uh, so when it's true echelon, um, you've got to be able to uh, program it, integrate it right through your front end, and it's got to be seamless uh, plug and play uh, without some of the other situations that you may or may not have run into. Uh, so being that it's all over the world, everybody has to agree that what we put out is open and, and interoperable. Um, and just I'm going to go over these terms very briefly because when I open up an application, you'll see some of these um, you know, parameters in the background, a SNVIT, which is a standard network variable type. Um, that could be an NVO network variable output or NVI network variable input. Uh, unit, UNVIT is the opposite of uh, SNVIT. That's standard. This is a user definer. You might call it a custom. Um, then there are standard configuration parameters that everybody has to agree to and then there are user defined parameters and then we have the same I'll, I'll call it a thesaurus or a dictionary uh, no matter where it is all over the world objects functional profiles we are a sensor is a sensor no matter where it comes from actuator HVAC lighting refrigeration pump you name it so um, again the whole idea is we're all talking the same language we're all using the same uh, protocol information uh, so that any device wherever it's made as if it has true open echelon it's going to work through um, it's going to work through the Microthermal Alliance front end. So that's like 60 seconds on LAN. Of course, we could go into that much deeper. Uh, I really wanted to show um, the group this because these um, um, will turn up when I go into a live site. You'll see some of these descriptors and just so that you, you have an idea of what you're looking at. Uh, and we've used, um, you know, a lawn for 27 30 years now uh, i know other people are 485 uh backnet uh we've been really happy with um echelon it is it's very granular it lets us get down to the nth detail uh the conductors we use are very robust and again it's used on bullet trains subway systems and in mechanical control systems all over the world so um that's why at least for now as far as 
I can tell, um, we're sticking with uh, Echelon for our protocol and our communication. Um, I think we're we're probably considering. Uh, perhaps a backnet option in the future. Uh, but right now, um, LAN is, has worked so well for us, we're going to stay with it. Uh, so the communication that we use is FTT10, uh, and that's 78 kilobits, 78,000 bits per second. Mm -hmm. and, and the topology we prefer is either star or free. And each network channel um, can go up to 1,640 feet. And uh, we don't uh, want daisy chains. I know that's um, a term that a other communication um, uh, people use because it, it's rightfully applied for their technology. If you do go into um, a startup and you see that the communication or the electrician contractor has done a microthermo store and the network has been done in one gigantic uh, daisy chain with a terminator on the end, uh, run away because it's not going to work for you. That's an echelon on violation so um, I have used bus guys um, in extremely large commercial applications you can see the speed is in the mega uh, but for supermarket um, we stick with the FTT 10 and either star configuration or free um, and anytime guys jump in if you've got a question on what I'm going over but I just wanted to give you a background before we actually jump into a live store uh, Charlie, so can you go over the difference yeah. between free and uh, a star configuration? I, I, I understand what a star is. I am not particularly Okay, cool. With. Absolutely. Great, great question. Okay, so I prefer, Kevin, I prefer a star because for me that's easier to troubleshoot. And what you would do is you would land the balancing resistor right at the center of the star or the center of the octopus, and then all of the legs are emanating from there, okay? With free topology, um, I can do a star on a star on a star. This pretty much is, um, it opens you free license to just make your connections any way you want to make them. The only caveat to that, Kev, is somebody darn well better make a hand sketch of how this was installed on the job and then if you give that to us we'll convert it to a CAD and we'll put it as a view in microthermo because this is totally as it says free means you can, as long as you observe okay 64 nodes per segment no longer than 1600 meters you can freelance with this and you can make your connections however you want to make a connection. So right here, you see, that's a star right there, Kev. That's a star right there. That's a star right there. So anytime we uh, drop off of another one, we call it a star, okay? But the correct term for this is is free topology. And really, it's like a freelance, and you could, you could make that um, network um, any way you want to make it. I mean, you could start with a main drop a star then you can have a star from a star and then that tertiary star you made you could make another star from that so in other words rather than this one where you start from a main starting point and you go in one two three four five six seven different directions okay and then you've got channel a channel b channel c channel d channel e okay 
for me, that's easy to wrap my head around if I'm going to go to a, a store and troubleshoot. Uh, but with free topology, again, that's got to be committed to writing someplace because, I mean, it's freelance. You can make the network whatever the heck you want it to as long as each one of these sub-segments, Kev, can't be any more than 64 simple nodes and no more than 500 meters or 1,640 feet. That's how, that, that's how a lot of the daisy chain stores I, I, I see are ran. They're ran free, right? <laughs> like they're just ran all over the place. Yeah, but we see with this though, um, this I wouldn't call this a daisy chain uh, because um, you know if this was a daisy chain, I go here, I would go here, then I come out of here and go over. To, you know what I'm saying? It would just be one gigantic serpentine feed. Um, this is again, it's a simplified version, Brett. Um, but again, this is a network segment. That's a network segment. This is a network segment. That's a network segment. Uh, so this is a simplified design. Let me go to uh, up. Kev, do you have another question? Uh, um, I had a real quick question. Sure. Um, about the uh, communication, you said that you, that all the only bus that you guys deal with is Echelon, correct? Uh, we do. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so again. That's just a bus network topology, okay? And you, we would use that um, for, um, for really for the speed. So I did a DNA lab, and I had uh, you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of nodes, and the temperature real time reporting back was critical. Uh, so um, you know a bus network topology there. Okay, so but I mean, does that limit you to what you can connect to, or does most equipment now have the capability like? If you take a NIDIC drive, right, and you want to communicate with it, um, they do have uh, different uh, plugins that you can plug in. So you can either make it communicate via, you know, I, uh, IP or BACnet or Modbus. You know, it all depends on what card you have. So is that how you get around, you know, just if you only because, I mean, most controllers have, you know, different open protocols, right? They do have BACnet, Modbus. But, I mean, does that really limit you or is there a lot of manufacturers that basically make a lot of those adapter cards to make uh, the drive or whatever talk to Echelon? Yeah, well, in a, in a, in a um, again, the, in the best world, we would like each device to be natively Echelon. Uh, but you'll see in a slide that I have coming up, um, we've done um, with, with Siemens, uh, we, we've done some uh, work with them where we can integrate their systems. So we're open to that. If they have an ability uh, through a translator, for lack of a better word, where we can bring their, um, you know, their communication into ours, we will definitely do that. So uh, again, uh, we'll take analog inputs. We, we do have the ability through adapters uh, to get 485 onto our network. Work uh, so again, we don't put a roadblock up um, against other um, you know forms of communication, uh, but an alliance itself natively is is uh, echelon for now. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so in in the basic echelon um, schematic, uh, we have what's called the backbone. And then what we'll do is, again, now this is a star. This is a different version uh, of uh, the simplistic diagram. So a channel in larger stores will start with a router. So this uh, schematic here has gotten has four uh, routers uh, or four channels. Uh, but we, sh we make a um, determination here. Um, a lot of people uh, always say, Charlie, where do I put my 
EOL, my end of the line um, terminator. And um, that is not what we want to do um, with an echelon channel. We always want the, um, and I don't like it to call it a terminator because it puts people in mind uh, that it's got to be end of line termination. Uh, I rather just say the resistor. You always try to look for the geographic middle of the channel and that's where we want to land our resistor so we have a resistor on the backbone this is a star right here i go to my first router go ahead question okay and then you see i start off of this node i start off in this node on this channel i ran it down here and then here's another star here uh, so again this is not a daisy chain in echelon world we call these networks or network segments so um, this is a channel and then you see a sub channel here or a sub channel there or a star here and then an another example is we come here we drop down and we drop over so in this diagram it's a kind of a mixture of free topology and star network just to give you uh, an idea of how open um, our network is I mean we allow you um, as long as you stay within the echelon parameters we allow you to design the hardwired network network uh, to use the least amount of cable possible um, because the echelon cable truthfully is a little bit more money than standard communication cable um, so we want the least amount of cable possible and we but want balanced resistance on each network channel and never put the uh, never put the resistor at the end of the line always find um, the middle of the um, of the network so another way of thinking it is like this uh, so this is a, 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 a boiled down version of um, of a supermarket network and it starts with uh, what the guys in the trade call a data logger that's actually a windows industrial computer and it's on what we call the backbone so we put a 53 ohm resistor on the backbone here's the star right here and then we have channel a case controllers and we can have multiple channels channel b we can have a channel for rack a rack b rack c here's another channel for the hvac system and here's another channel for lighting so you can have multiple if you can have four ten twelve uh, sixteen channels however many channels you want uh, again we don't want any more than sixty sixty four simple nodes or no more than fifty compound nodes and again, your resistor should always uh, be at the middle. So at the very end, or the first thing, um, Kev, on a startup, you, what you'll want to do is get a multimeter out. Um, and again, you, you want to never be any lower than 52, never higher than 58, no matter where you put the multimeter. If it's at the end, if it's at the middle, if it's out the router, check it in three or four places, but it should be within 52 and 58 ohms wherever you check every network segment. If you were on the HVAC system upstairs and you got to the end of RTU4 and it was 84 uh, ohms, then I'm going to guarantee right now you're going to have a problem with that channel. They either used too much wire, they did one big ass daisy chain uh, on the channel instead of uh, doing a star where you cut down the amount of cable, uh, or they uh, you know, did a bunch of courtesy loops or double backs. Again, 
everything should be as close to 53 uh, as possible. Uh, Brett, Kev, any questions? So far, both. Okay, man. No, that's uh, good so far. Go ahead, Kev. No, I said that's good so far. Okay, cool. All right, so here's a biggie with um, with the Echelon network. And um, if I harp on this, I apologize. I would prefer you to use the Belden. I, um, I almost guarantee that if you use the Belden 16 gauge 8471 for both your main drop and your no-to-no -no communication, um, you will not have a problem with an Echelon network. It's two-wire twisted pair no shield whatsoever, 16 gauge, uh, which is heavy duty for communication wire, and it's a six minimum of six twists per foot. So it's the twist uh, that actually creates like an EMF shield on the wire. Um, you know, I've had the bad experience of coming to jobs and, um, you know, have guys do a big daisy chain and use the same wire uh, cable that they would use for a 485 network. Um, but I tell you right out, if you're going to do a store and you want it to work right with our technology or any Echelon technology, and by the way, this is an Echelon spec. Uh, this is not something that uh, is dictated by Microthermo. This is an Echelon spec. Uh, so 16 gauge 8471. There are are other substitutes out there but be very very careful you can go to echelon and check to see what substitutes they consider equal because uh, sometimes you get a supply house and they'll go oh yeah it's echelon wire and then um, you get there and it's two twists per foot the impedance is different the resistance per thousand foot is different and then you got nodes disappearing you know they're on or off it's just not worth it so I always try to tell guys please stick with the 16 gauge 8471 now our 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 500 platform uses a four four lug um, a network connector. Um, our new 700 system um, uses a two lug, and the re the reason it uses a two lug is we try to tell people do not wire the network like this. Uh, we want both blacks bonded together and under the same lug, and we both want both reds or both whites bonded together, twisted together, and under the same lug. That way, if this node gets smoked or somebody unplugs the network wire, you have not violated the network. If you wire it this way, if I have a problem with the node or I unplug it, I've now interrupted um, the network. Uh, so we try to preach that, but um, after a while we just said, well, we've got to do away with the four lug, and all of the new boards only have two lugs on them, so you, you can't make this mistake. So again, the network starts with the hub, the HMI, and the very first thing that comes out of the HMI is the USB adapter. Your black and white wire, that's the beginning of your FTT10 network, starts right there. The very next component that it's got to hit is the uh, alarm node. Now, this is a real-time clock, um, and this is a scheduler, and this is a scheduler. So this board that you're looking at here is a compound node. This is a node. This is a node another one and another one so if I had 50 of these that would be the maximum I would want on a network channel because it is a compound node we also try to pull the plug on this we never want you to run the network in and run the network out of the board 
Um, so we pull that plug to make sure if you do get to a job and you see that somebody's got the network wire running out of here, start, start over. That's a no-no. You're going to have problems with the network. Um, because this is a main hub and everything communicates in and out of the alarm node, uh, and if anything should happen to this, you're going to kill the network. So I, I gave you a picture here of an installation. Here's the HMI. That's not a master controller. Remember, all of these are smart nodes. They're microcomputers unto themselves. And then we program them and integrate them when we start up. So here's the Windows device the HMI, here's the USB adapter, here's my black and white wire, starts right from there. The very first thing I hit is the alarm node. Now you see there's no wire coming out of here uh, so that um, you can't make the mistake of starting your uh, network from here. So we uh, star over to here and then we pick up these nodes and then we go out to the building from there. Now, Brett, to answer your question that you had earlier, if you squint real hard, um, this is a Siemens, um, um, you know, connector here. Uh, so this was, I think, a Campbell's soup job, or it might have been an Aldi, and we had to integrate to the uh, Siemens. And uh, this, I'll call it a daughter board, for lack of a better term. Uh, but this is the adapter that we used uh, so that our technology and uh, Siemens could, could link together. And just so you guys are aware, what he was talking about before about those boards being smart, um, basically they don't need communication uh, to the main or to each other in order to function. They would, you know, most of the time the sensors are connected right to it for whatever function it's trying to achieve, and basically it can run independently. Um, now, if you have, I'm assuming if you have cases that are supposed to be going into hot gas defrost that are have, you know, have to energize stuff on another. Uh, on another uh, another board, I'm assuming that wouldn't work until you get network corrected, correct? Um, we would have to have a physical violation of the network, but that was a great point, Brett. So the store profile is kept here for safety purposes, but each one of these smart nodes, think of it as a microcomputer, when we program and integrate right from the get-go, in fact, we do the programming before we even show up at a job, all we do is service pin it when we get it there. That associates back to the HMI and all of the parameters, whether it's superheat, uh, whether it's a pressure, back pressure, whether it's controlling the gas cooler, all of those control parameters are flashed to that smart node or microcomputer. Now, should something happen to this HMI, everything will synchronize to the alarm node. That's why it has a real-time clock. If anything should happen uh, to the, uh, uh, you know, the alarm node, then each one of these nodes has its own internal countdown clock, but it will be uh, self-operating at that time, Brett, meaning that it will, if it's a case controller, it's going to continue to run the lights, the fans, the superheat, or whatnot, but it will not be synchronized uh, to, to the alarm node. So everything synchronizes to the HMI. That's how you report out to the real world. Um, and then should anything happen here, then everything synchronizes to the alarm node with the real-time clock. And then, God forbid, if anything happens, they have their own internal clocks that they will work off of. But once I program this case controller here, uh, and it's in a meat case, it knows what it is. It knows what it's supposed to do for uh, defrost. Um, it, it knows what the superheat settings are. So it becomes self-operating, and the network 
only is there for nodes to communicate with each other, um, you know, if necessary. An example of that, Brett, would be, let's say I'm doing HVAC in the store. So I've hung um, a temperature sensor and a relative humidity sensor, so the HVAC system works better. Mm -hmm. well, the beauty about a network is now that's an, an echelon device. It puts the temperature and the humidity on the network. So all I have to do is tell each one of these case controllers what, by checking a little box to listen to that parameter, which is always broadcast. It's an automatic broadcast on the network. Listen to the temperature and relative humidity. And guess what? Now the case controller becomes even smarter because as the temperature rises or falls or as the humidity Humidity rises or falls, the uh, latent load and the sensible load profile is going to change to that case. And the case controllers get smarter because it's taking the feedback from the same node that's, um, you know, giving the inside parameters to, to the rooftop units. And there, there was something Charlie said, and I just want to make sure you guys understand that this as well. Um, he was talking about when he said the term, you have to hit the service pin. On Echelon devices, um, they have what's called a neuron ID. Uh, it's basically like a board address, and that basically is programmed into the controller via, you know, by actually, you know, typing in the node address. Or the other option is to hit the ser uh, service pin, which basically, you know, it's almost like activating your Bluetooth for a headset or something. So if you hit that, it basically starts, you know, scanning, you know, scanning, sending out a signal saying, hey, I'm looking for this board. That and, is correct. You know, and basically that's how that works. So just in case you guys didn't understand what he said about the service, Ben, I just wanted yep. to give a brief description. Yep. Great point, Brett. Thanks for it's, catching it's, me on that. It's, nice. it's also nice because, I mean, it guarantees you get the right board. I mean, right. because you're physically going there and pushing the button. Hey guys, I want to take a break and talk about Westermeyer, one of our other sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Westermeyer Industries, the leader in oil management and pressure vessels for the commercial refrigeration industry. Yep. The other, oh, sorry. The other, no, the go other ahead, thing, Brett. The other thing that, that microthermal is pretty good. Uh, so they have a function, like if you're, you know, sometimes looking up, trying to find what particular board that you're looking for it can be kind of difficult um they do have this function called wink where basically you know you hit the board that you're looking at in the program and it'll make the uh service lights go on and off you know basically winking at you say hey i'm right here i'm over here yep absolutely right so being that we got into it so what we would do the very first node that i always start when i'm uh getting a store ready is i always start the alarm node first so I then go to the front end, the desktop, and I find the icon, the virtual icon that represents the alarm node. And then there's a button, a virtual button that says install. And, um, and, and uh, there's an actual cartoon of a, a hand telling you to press the button. So what you do is you go over, squint real hard. You can see that yeah. that's a service button. You just press that for a quick quarter of a second. And what that does, Brett gave a great description this looks back to the HMI the HMI looks to this and says oh you're the alarm node and boom without you having to type anything in everything that needs to be uploaded um, to this alarm node uh, is done for you automatically now yes Brett is correct if you choose you could type in uh, the alphanumeric because every chip has its own individual unique um, identifier uh, but 
for me, I'll fat finger it. I'll never trust myself. So I always use the service pin. So for the alarm node, being that it's a compound, I'd hit it here. And then I'd go to the icon for the real-time clock. I would hit this service button, and then I would hit the re, uh, you know, the scheduler for HVAC and the scheduler for lighting. Okay, and you can have multiple alarm nodes uh, on uh, on a job. You you can have more than one. Okay? And when you when you are doing this, it's it's you know it's a lot easier to actually have two guys on site if you're not going to do the neuron ID, you know, we're basically going to write down everything. Um, just be able to have the guy up there on the phone with them. Hey, I'm, I'm ready to look for this board. Just hit, you know, um, hit, you know, hit the service button. And then basically it just makes it a heck of a lot easier having another guy on site. Yeah. So uh, one, one thing I that do, I do, I'm sorry to interrupt, but one thing that I do is I bring a 4G modem with me when I start up a store and I connect it to the HMI and then I take a 4G enabled or a 5G enabled phone or tablet uh, and I can start a store myself because I don't need to be at this panel. It's good to have two guys, but if you can't have two guys, um, if you uh, make this uh, data logger able to um, uh, communicate to the outside world, uh, then what I do is um, this screen here, this landing page here, I see the same exact thing on my phone or tablet, and then I'll get a ladder, I'll get on top of the frozen food aisle, I'll take the cover off of 20 different case controllers, and I'll just start, and service pin, service pin, service pin, service pin, all the way, all the way down the aisle. I just have to make sure that I'm on the right icon when I do it, uh, so that I, you know, I don't uh, misappropriate uh, uh, a case controller to the wrong location. Kev, did you want to ask a question? And that's exactly how I do it. Like I, I, use the, I use the 4G router, and then I'll, uh, I'll use an iPad, and then I'll walk around and ping everything. There's, it goes pretty quick until you get mm -hmm. to the coffins. Yeah. Now, one thing that saves a lot of time, and I'll show you where to find it, we have something that's called delayed install. And what that does, it sets up the initial handshake between the safety profile on the data logger and the case controller or gas cooler controller or whatnot. Uh, but then it just stops right there. And then you can do 100 nodes in a day because I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, this alarm node here, that might take Two minutes because it's not that you know complicated of a node but a case controller there's so many algorithms and whatnot you could wait five or six minutes for that case controller uh, to be fully integrated so we have what's called a delayed install and like I said you can do 50 100 150 nodes and the last thing you do before you go out of the supermarket and get back to the hotel and have a cold one is you go to the screen that allows you to do a delayed install and then it picks up from where you left off so you you don't have to stand there and watch the screen for five minutes for each case controller and overnight um, while you're uh, getting some rest um, it's automatically integrating all of those boards for you and saving you time of having to stand there um, and um, and get in front of a you know just stand there watch a screen while all the parameters are building for each and every node now uh, again I'm new to your technology so what I want to do now Brett is I want to log into um, a store for you you and show you some of this in operation so do I hit the stop sharing button uh, for yep. the moment yep hit stop share okay hit share again and then this time uh, you know bring up whatever web um, it should okay. I'm pretty sure it says web, uh, web browser okay all right so what I want to do is I want to get my team viewer going here all right 
and then I guess I'll have to minimize that and then share share screen mine right now at the top says Microsoft Microsoft Edge tab Windows or entire screen so okay. it'd probably be whatever browser you're using right and that's not going to be that hang on for a second so yep. we get we get this up here okay there we go share can you all see that now Are we there? There we go. All right, cool. All right, so uh, let me show you some of the uh, cool things that you can do. Now, I listened to uh, some of your podcasts, and I got to tell you, they're really good. And um, the speakers that you've had on talking about their type of networks, very, very good information. Um, what we've tried to do with Microthermo, um, you don't need an oscilloscope. You don't need a signal generator. All you need uh, is a multimeter. That's, uh, that's how technical you have to go. So let's say you're having a store with a communication problem. So the first thing you do is go right up to this tab here that says network. And then you're going to want to do architecture. Now what I'm going to do is open this up. And what this does is it gives you a complete roadmap of everything that the data logger is going to look for and exactly what um, what chain it's in. So here you see the backbone, which I made reference to. And on the backbone, you've got this um, circuit control, the alarm node. You've got an MPC. You've got the HVAC scheduler, the lighting schedule, and the uh, real-time clock that I told you about. Now, in this store, you have router 1 two, three, and you got a rack router. Now watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to drop down router one, and then I'm going to drop down again. And now look, everything. So um, even if you don't give me a network diagram, at least you know everything that's um, on that router and the hierarchy or architecture that it's in. And any information that you want, if you just click on this, here's your identification. Uh, Brett, you brought this term up. Here's your neuron ID is there. The device name is XN54. The next one is XN57. The next one's 56. The next one, 55. So I'm going um, in order here. Okay, so it lets you know the hierarchy of how the data logger is going to look for that. And they're all, as I said, FT10. So this gives you a roadmap of the entire store. So here's router 2. I'm going to do the drop down. And here's everything. So this looks like it's an HVAC router. Okay. And here is the rack router. I'm going to drop that down. Yep, circuit control, suction control gas cooler, MPC, uh, superheat exchanger. Uh, these are the valves uh, for the flash tank. So everything that you want to know as far as the architecture or hierarchy of, um, of the, the, all of the channels are here. And again, um, all you have to do is highlight any one of those nodes in all of the echelon values that you may need to know are there. So, okay, that's the roadmap. So let's go into the real world. So let's go, here's router one. Now, I want to know what the heck is on router one when the guy installed it. He didn't leave me a map, so watch what I'm going to do. I right-click on here, highlight connections, router one cases, boom. Everything that's on that channel turns purple. So now that you know router one 
is taken care of. This is the communication channel for everything that you need to know for router one. So you just go back here, you do cancel highlight. Let's see what's on router two. Highlight connections, router two cases. Boom. And you see it's all of these cases here. So if you're troubleshooting, if you've got a bad actor um, and you have a node that keeps dropping on or off, um, at least to try to find it, what channel it's on, um, you could do this. So you just do the, um, the highlight or cancel highlight. Now, when you are looking at um, the visualized network connections node to node as long as every dot you see here is green that means every set point is perfect every everything every temperature every pressure pressure is correct if one of these nodes should ever go black that means you've lost connection okay visually if you see a black node it's it's lost it's echelon communication if one of these nodes were white it means that it's not been configured completely all right so it's stoplight green is good yellow's caution red is bad that means you have an active uh, problem but the other number the colors that you want to know about is a uh, black means you've dropped a node or white means it's not fully configured if you've dropped a node you're going to get an alarm up here that's going to tell you that you've got a node failure or a communication failure all right uh, so that's a simple way. So that's on the main landing page with case controllers. The same thing goes for, let's here, rack A in this store. I'm going to go to the suction controller up here. I'm going to right click and I want to know what are the nodes and points that are either controlled or associated by this microcomputer. I hit highlight connection, boom. Everything that turns purple is either a point that's connected to or it is a device or board that's being controlled by this suction controller okay so again to cancel that highlight you go here you hit cancel highlight now can you do it the reverse absolutely I can go here if I don't know where it's coming from I can right click on this drive feedback I can do highlight connection and boom that's it so this and this are associated they're working on a channel and they're working or being controlled by this suction controller all right uh, uh go ahead brett quick question um yes. i know this isn't a communication question but um uh, because we're looking at a transcritical rack do mm -hmm. um does micro thermal control their own um, you know, inlet valve and... Uh, oh, yeah, great question. That's what that FGB was referring to. So, yes, we have uh, our own and we've had it. We introduced, introduced it at ASHRAE, I guess, about three or four years ago. Yes, we have a two-valve controller. Uh, that controls um, the whole back valve for the gas cooler and the valve that uh, is the is the um, the drain valve for the flash tank. So yes, uh, the flash gas bypass valve is controlled. Uh, so um, and we'll do a store with the Danfoss valves. You know, a lot of uh, you know OEMs like to stick with the Danfoss. So plenty of microthermal systems are out there with the Danfoss. We monitor it but we don't control it. That's totally standalone. However, yes, Sporlin does now have its its own controller uh, for those two valves. Absolutely. Okay. 
I right, so now let me go to let me go to this here gas cooler I'm gonna hit um, highlight connection now you see what happens um, intuitively I know this but only one dot turned purple this little dot here so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna zoom in on that dot you see it right here I'm gonna click again that's a custom node now uh, Brett you made um, you know mention of this you might have uh, 25 or 30 of these ganged up all together. Now I know virtually where it is on the landing screen. How can I find it physically? And what Brett mentioned, you go to this wink button. Okay, you click it once, and what that's going to do, it's going to be the opposite. Our normal blink is one second on, six seconds off, one second on, six seconds off. When I hit wink, that board's going to be six seconds on, one second off, six seconds on, one second off. So you can look at three or four boards next to each other, and now I've identified the board that I'm looking for because I've used the wink function. Okay. Now, my network variables, I can see them. Th those are the NVIs and MVOs that I was talking about. Now, this is deep in the weeds. I won't dwell here too long. But, uh, you know, my rocket scientists, they're the ones that uh, get into all of this. Most of what we deal with in the trade, uh, we're dealing with everything that's GUI or icon-based. We don't have to get into the weeds and do all of the zeros and ones. It's there. Um, but uh, just so that you know where it is. Uh, so that's information on the uh, controller itself. We got a little bit of a lag here. Hang on. What's GUI? I've heard that uh, term before. Yeah, graphic user interface. Thanks. Right. If I use a term, uh, we uh, have a hang up. Oh, here we go. All right. So now, um, again, I can't do this because it's already installed. But if this node was, uh, you know, never used virgin out of the box uh, and I've applied power to it um, again, like Kevin mentioned, we put a wireless uh, adapter in there or we put a 4G cell and then we'll open up um, Microthermo. We'll get to this node and we'll hit this install button. And then you'll see a bunch of numbers and letters flashing in the bottom of the screen. That is how you initially bring this online. And all of the parameters are flashed to this just simply by pushing that service bin button. And here's your neuron ID. Okay. If I ever have to recommission, I can do it from here or I can do it from here. Send configuration. And I'll show you a report later um, that... Um, tells you why you might want to do, to do this. Um, who knows, somebody cut power in the middle of when you're pushing the service button, uh, so you got a broken install. Um, the first thing we would do is do a reset. That's like a hard boot. It, it momentarily interrupts power from this, which is in fact a microcomputer. And then we can um, recommission it or re restart the node by either loading a node software or sending the configuration again. Now, if this has been going on and off, you can test right through the node just by hitting this test button. Right now, this node has passed all applicable tests. Um, if you cannot communicate or there's transmission errors, um, that will show up uh, by simply just hitting this test button. Okay, mm -hmm. so your network variables, 
your landmark information. Again, this is deep in the weeds. I won't dwell there. Uh, but if you really need to get to the nth detail with the nodes in troubleshooting, uh, you can do it uh, right through the um, right through the virtual icon for the node. Brett, did you have a question? Yeah. Is there, is there anywhere in um, so in the network setup for CPC? You know, they can see you can see how many com errors it had. Uh, you know, they, they in Novar they call it uh, coefficient errors. Uh, yeah. Is there a screen that you can show us where basically it, it Ab shows us absolutely like how many areas port head or whatever? Yep, yep. So let me go to network, and I'm going to go to node statistic reports, and let's just see what's happened. Uh, that's a year. Let's let's take a look. Uh, let's go back to uh, July. We'll go to July seventh um to um to october 7th i'm going to hit okay and then these are most recent errors none this is clean so let me go let me go back further in time uh let me go back to may okay most recent errors no errors okay let me let me go back uh to april April 7th, okay, MRE analysis, none. So um, this store is running so tight. Let me go back to March, March 7th, okay, MRE analysis. Okay, there we go. Let That's me open. Uh, yeah. Have Did you guys know that this report was there? I didn't. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, so listen, look what this does. So here, you were asking about the throttle and the flash gas bypass valve, mm -hmm. what subsystem it was on. It's on rack A, most recent errors, and it's an invalid domain. This error could occur if the network configuration is invalid, if the network management tool is malfunctioning, or if the neuron chip firmware is uh, image is corrupted. Action, uh, try reloading the, uh, the node software. Uh, so what we try to do for you is we give you the tips of what to do um, in case you have um, errors. And, and uh, again, you're new to microthermal. We try to give you the description of the error and some action that you can take. And then you can see the count here was only one error. So that's not gruesome, uh, but it's um, especially on something as critical as the throttle and the flash gas bypass valve yeah this is a node that you want to make sure is is doesn't have a problem so uh, what i would imagine is um let's close this out so uh that was march 7th so let's see uh let's go to april 5th okay let's uh, do the analysis It's just like cold case files. It's just like cold case files. It's just like cold case files. People die every day. Give a proper burial. On Mark grave. You're alive! Oh my god! I'm alive! You were dead! I saw you die! I was faking. I used Ninja Focus to slow my heart rate down. What are you doing? I'm burying you. I'm alive, I'm alive. You're waking the neighbors. No. Shut up. No.
Now, that brain that you gave me, was it Hans Delbrooks? No. Ah, good. Uh, would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. Abby normal. I'm almost sure that was the name. <laughs> Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long 54 inch wide gorilla! What? Is that what you're telling me?